0: Hello, it's Ben here with just a couple of notes ahead of this week's episode. The first is that the, uh, the episode you're about to hear with Robbie and Will Owen from Squid Rugby was recorded uh, outside in a park in Nice, moments after they'd finished playing a, a massive game of touch rugby with a bunch of fans. The other thing to bear in mind is this podcast was recorded a few hours before Fiji beat Australia on Sunday night throwing a massive spanner into the works in Pool C. Obviously that result has massive implications for Wales heading into next week's match against Australia and we'll certainly delve more into that result later on in the week in our other podcasts. With all that in mind, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Uh, We're on the road for this one, we're out In a lovely sunny park in Nice, and I'm joined by two brothers, the brothers behind Squidge Rugby, Will and Robbie Owen. Gents, how are you doing?
1: Okay, Um, I've just been running around for two hours in, jeez, because I couldn't find any shorts at short notice (laughs) this morning. On a Sunday morning, turns out all sports shops are shut in Nice before 10am. I've been running around for one hour because I can't find a spare ankle.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: and all sports shops are closed. All pharmacies are closed, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: ankle really. shops. Which is the and also, I don't really speak French, nightmares. so none of this is ideal.
0: It's not great, is it? I mean, we'll explain. You've obviously been playing touch rugby this one tournament yeah. that you organised, put together. And to be fair, fantastic turnout here, wasn't it? About, I don't know, was it about 100 or maybe more?
1: Uh, maybe. Probably. I've got no idea. I'd, I'd have, have
2: estimated something like this. We are trying to figure out a minute ago. I'd, I'd say probably... 70, 80, order to guess, but it could have been more. Like yeah. If, especially if you include the people who came along to watch and you know help out wherever they could. Like and the dogs
1: that yeah. got involved. Oh, the dogs! Was incredible. the main thing. Yeah, there's like four dogs around on the pitch, which is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, we haven't had a dog on the pitch in the Rugby World Cup, normal one, since 1987. So I think that's something we need to be working on. And finally, we're trying to lead by example here. Yeah.
0: I think one of those dogs belonged to Ed Jenkins. who yes. I don't know if he still listens to our podcast. Um, since it's come back, he used to hate the dad music intro <laughs> which we still slightly got so that's that's not a great start um yeah well explain about your ankle you roll you rolled your ankle um, which now means that currently in this podcast there are what was it
1: four, ankles. Four, four,
0: four, four, he, four fully fit ankles <laughs> out of a possible six i am hogging them yeah, yeah. A, bit, a bit selfish
2: not ideal i've also got it on camera which is even more kind of um embarrassing but i think i'll be out of the australia game should be good for georgia
0: <laughs> that's what we're looking for you know there's quarterfinals there's semifinals yeah. ahead it's a long yeah. tournament you know you don't win it here do you um let's talk about the game last night then gents yeah uh obviously wales beat portugal with a bonus point 10 points from 10 everything's great yeah. everything's good isn't it
1: Wales and Ireland—the only two teams on ten out of ten, the only two teams to be on maximum points so far—exactly in the tournament. West, uh, West, one West, of them, West the world num- yeah, yeah. <laughs> world number one coming into the competition. The other one, the world number ten, complete underdogs. No one was talking about, uh, and I think really Wales are the big underdog story of the World Cup and the only one anyone should be talking about.
0: Absolutely, but no, yeah, it's. Jokes to say, it was. It wasn't a vintage performance, but then also it was a typically Welsh performance in a game against a tier two nation when they've made lots of changes, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. And I think we saw Wales kind of underestimate Portugal. Massively. I think we saw them, particularly in that first half, figuring they were going to run through plenty of tries and that they were facing a Portugal team closer to the 2007 Portugal team, which was a bit of a pub team that turned up and had done that incredible to qualify. And that was their kind of... They were just happy to be there kind of thing. Yeah. Well, this Portugal team is much better than that. It came across
2: that Wales hadn't really targeted Portugal specifically it felt like against Fiji last week Wales tried to like run a lot of ball in the first half and you know try and break them down through the attack and then in the second half after Dan Bigger had some choice words for George North I think he set the example kicked the ball loads got in there at 22 and then you know went from there whereas I feel like because Portugal's playing style was not identical it's not world apart from Fiji in terms of um, you know they run a lot of ball they've got a really quick back line they've got so many dangerous runners at the back that Wales seem to not learn their lesson and seem to just think oh yeah Portugal aren't going to anything the same and so it was quite disappointing to see them just straight away trying to run from absolutely everywhere and getting turned over giving Samuel Marks shots at goal.
0: Exactly and that was the thing wasn't it it was you give you give Portugal transition ball and, and Marks just looks so dangerous, didn't he? It was just the options. I think his kicking game out of hand was ridiculous. Greyas at fullback as
2: well. Unbelievable.
0: Just yes, those two were just ridiculously good in transition and I think I think Wales made something like six line breaks in the first half. Like mm. it wasn't it wasn't like they were struggling to break down Portugal. But no. it was just but I think they those, were putting the cart before the horse when they it was they yeah. were, if they when they played flat to the line, it was quite easy to sort of break down that that Portuguese defence. But it was just everything was so lateral, and they, they they just wanted to put wit on the ball before they really earned it.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of kind of I think quite naive play from a lot of the Welsh players. I think Mason Grady, great player, great kind of incredible physical rugby player, has all the kind of gifts. His understanding, just reading the game, isn't there yet. I think that's still taking some time to get there. And he's improving with each game, but we saw a couple of he's times... He's a couple of caps off, isn't he? Yeah, we saw a few points in this game where he had things opening for him or things weren't on and he was calling for the ball and trying to do too much, um, which was happening quite frequently, or he wasn't quite finding the right options when they're around him. And I think it would just take a bit of time for him to bed in and learn to perhaps wait a bit be a bit more patient. I think that's kind of what's lacking for him. Uh, and there's a few other players where you kind of felt there's things not quite clicking here. You know, there's, there's a little bit of naivety and if Portugal, who are a fantastic team and who are greatly underrated, um, and even though they qualified as the last team, you look at since they've gone and they batted the USA, they beat Romania this year. Uh, they gave Australia a game a couple of months ago. Um, they've come on leaps and bounds in the qual, the confidence they've gained since qualifying. And also this team started to come of because it's an incredibly young team. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, we've got to be taking them seriously. But also there's a level of a lot of questions I think deserve to be asked after a few of the Welsh players perhaps having games they will learn from. People are correct to point out that Portugal played really well because they did. They were such fantastic
2: opposition. Um, And the thing that we should realise is that we knew that was going to happen the whole time, that that was far from Portugal's best performance, as um, Lajiskay said at the end. Like, that was probably, we're discussing this, kind of on the way out of the game it's probably like a seven and a half out of ten for portugal yeah. by their standard and at their very best you'd expect that they
1: could have and should have won that game Listen, like i thought uruguay on thursday night were absolutely phenomenal were like near the top of their standard what they can do uh i thought portugal were actually some way off and they made a lot of errors yeah. and yet wales you know it looked like a proper threat to wales and it shows yes you can take that as a well you know welsh problem and obviously this being a welsh podcast but I think from a Portuguese perspective, that is hugely encouraging for what they can do when they face yeah. Georgia and Fiji. We've barely seen Rodrigo Marta Australia. in that game. For yeah. instance, he's a star player. Uh, Rafael Stolte came with the bench and made a difference as well. Fantastic. Um I, Yeah, but I think it was a really encouraging performance by Portugal <laughs> because they pushed Wales into a position where in the last 10 minutes, there was a chance they could have come back and at least got a losing bonus point if not gone and won the game. Um, and yet they did it without being perfect, without being as good as they can yeah.
0: be. Yeah, because I think... Uh, I saw a lot of sort of comments throughout the game that the that Portugal were that they were willing to risk everything and come, mm-hmm. but they but they were but also they they weren't there, there was a discipline to what they were doing I think the ball movement was good and the choice of passes were good like it wasn't it wasn't offloads for the sake of offloads was it this yeah. you know yeah. there was there was method to the madness which is probably the trap that Wales fell into where I think they were forcing offloads just so they could get offloads away I think
2: yeah.
0: so I saw I think it was Paul Williams tweet at half time saying our oh, whale should really push the tempo sort of pop the ball up off the floor and i'm thinking that's that's the last thing they should be yeah. doing here they should just just pick and go pick and go pick and go around the corner that shortens portugal up because it commits men and then there's the space out wide they yeah. were throwing yeah. they were throwing miss passes to like jack morgan in the 13 channel last night yeah and like you know he's, he's getting met man and ball because they're just they're just not giving port school the respect yeah the, but the, of the thing park.
2: that we're often forgetting is like samuel marks uncharacteristically missed eight points off the tee yeah which is like difference between a losing bonus point and like Fallatown not scoring that try in the final minute wales are losing that you know
0: yeah you know Fal- and Fallatown made them crucial try saving yeah. tackle yeah. um first out i mean he's he's probably one of the positives to come out Definitely. of this for wales you know Afterwards, uh, Gatlin said he's not the type. He's not. He's not a Richie McCaw type of player who, you know, misses six months of rugby and then comes straight back into test rugby and and just looks like he's ready. He needs. He needs minutes. Um, this is only his, you know, second match since coming back from that calf injury. And yeah, he, he was just at the heart of everything. well he, was great. he was did well, wasn't he? He was great.
1: And I do think as well when you look at this Welsh performance, there are standout things that work. You know, Jack Morgan, fantastic as well. I thought Dowie Lake. Obviously, there were some line-out issues, which I think is a group thing. I think there's a few things on uh, can carry, it though. generally working. And yeah, uh, there's a little bit on Lakes Flow. And also on, I think, uh, it's... I think the first time David Jenkins has been calling line-outs for Wales. And there was a few times around there where that was perhaps an issue when he was calling a lot to himself. And I think that became quite easy to read towards the end of his time yeah. Um But yeah, Dewi Lake was fantastic in the loose, I think, generally. Um, I think there were some really encouraging stuff Rear in Dyer, there. I think played well. Rear, yeah. Rio Dyer, Zamo, really as well. good into the high ball, uh, just a useful weapon to have. Um, but yeah, I, always, I think the main thing to take out from a Welsh perspective is that this, I don't think, has any real bearing on the Australia game. I don't no. think this changes anything at all. I think it'll be a very different Welsh team. I think they'll approach it very differently. I think they will have been looking at that for some time. And even though Gatlin was saying, oh, lo- only looking at the Fiji game, they will have had stuff in line for Australia. They will be know how they're going to play against Australia. And they won't be arrogantly trying to force the book game and trying to play off literally everything all the time. Against Australia, they'll play very differently, I think, and it'll be a completely different game.
2: And the thing is, like, we're here saying, like, oh, it was a bit of an arrogant performance, but ultimately, Gatlin did get the bare minimum of what he wanted from yeah. that, which is to not give away any of his game plan for Australia and got the five points out of it, granted in the very last, like, the most stressful way for the fans possible, but <laughs> ultimately, he's achieved that. And uh, yeah, I do think that he didn't treat it as a dry one for Australia. And we now don't exactly know who, how he's going to. play. more to the point, Eddie Jones doesn't know how we're going to play that.
0: No, no, that's the interesting thing is because he obviously came into this World Cup with a with a game plan for for Fiji, and then Portugal were almost Fiji-like. So to an yeah. extent, he, they they almost played the same structure. I don't think they meant to, yeah. but then I don't think they meant to play quite the way they did against Fiji that they actually did they clearly wanted to keep the ball in play a lot in that first half and take the legs out of both teams you know he spoke about 21 minutes in play in the first half yesterday i don't think they wanted to do it quite in the way where they were so fast and loose but but i do i do think that he he did certainly want to try run it from wherever possible really maybe not as loose as they did against fiji but i think that was clearly something they told in terms of how they play against australia i i win win none the wiser, i mean it's just th- fascinating to see where they go. I think where the
1: blueprint go. is the iffy game in the Six Nations and the England game in the Millennium, in the warm-ups. Um, or the, the Principality, I should say. Where Wales were kicking incredibly accurately and they just were incredibly fit and on it and knew exactly what they were doing and what they were going for um, and were just very together and cohesive. And it was that old-school Warren Ball thing where Wales weren't necessarily winning at half-time or weren't in control of the game at points, but you kind of felt like they were and you kind of knew they were going to come good because you'd seen this so many times and you knew they were just waiting and being very patient and grinding the opposition down. It's really interesting because I
2: feel like that's a strength for both Wales and Australia at this stage, you know, yeah. with um, Carter Gordon being on such a good form of Ben Donaldson now more importantly he's coming to the team and has been exceptional but you know with the boot under the high ball uh in attack like all around the park goal kicking is probably the most important thing that he's brought to the team with Carter Gordon not really being able to do that and like no one can need to say, fantastic under the high ball I think the battle between him and Josh Adams is going to be unbelievable oh yeah
0: yeah we he mentioned Rio Dyer quite a lot mm. yesterday in his aerial game so it could be something that Gatlin leans on. I mean, Josh Adams is great under the high ball as well. In terms of both Wales and Australia, they're prob- neither are probably teams that tend to finish matches particularly well. We've seen Wales, hmm. obviously Fiji. I think they had something like, in the last 13 minutes, 21 seconds worth of possession. Wow. Um, which is terrifying. I don't think they got to a second phase on any of their possessions. Um, right. Australia, we've seen in the Rugby Championship, and a little bit against Georgia, they... they It's just sort of (laughs) typical Eddie Jones straight. They come out the blocks really quick. And then the game's almost sort of won and they don't really finish strong. You know, you think back to when Eddie was England coach. I think they beat... They certainly beat South Africa with that game plan. I think Manu scored after like two minutes in the corner. And they had a knack of just like against those sort of teams. They come out, build like a 10, 14 point lead and the other team would chip away at it but they just they'd have done enough they did it against the all blacks the rugby championship it wasn't quite enough then i mean georgia on another day georgia get back into that if they don't concede such a daft intercept try yeah when the you know the tide of the match was certainly going their way
2: the discipline was better as well
0: yeah um i don't know it's just gonna be fascinating i think it's maybe two teams who can Maybe game management right now isn't quite where it should be. Yeah. Which is what maybe to be expected on this side of the draw.
1: But I think that is something Wales have going for them, is even though both sides have got coaches that they brought in, you know, eight, nine months ago, we have both the fact that Wales had a Six Nations to lead in a bed in a bit, and they have a bit of a blueprint and more time together. You know, the Welsh region's not qualifying for the knockouts in the URC has meant that this team's been together an incredibly long time. Like, the Super Rugby season was about four weeks in when the Welsh were came together. So they've had so much longer together than any other team in the tournament. I think they're, you know, behind maybe a couple of the Tier 2 nations who basically play as a club team, the Chiles of the world, who all play at Um, They've had the most time together. Uh, that'll help in terms of being cohesive and also the fact that they do have a couple more wins under their belt and a bit of experience, but most importantly, because they've got an experience core to call on where Eddie Jones has sacked off his because he wants to build that for future, you know, potentially for 2027, um, and get rid of some bad habits that have crept in, where you can call on a damn Big, you can call on Thomas Williams and Gareth Davis, you can call on plenty of other players who have been there and done it. Falata was a great example the other day. Um, and that is a bit of a weapon for Wales, I think, that they can lean on a little bit that might give them a bit of an edge against Australia.
0: Yeah, whereas Eddie's just bombed out anyone in that squad who's...
1: Over 24. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Other, than, other than James Slipper, who he's, yeah. who he's just decided to bring back and play on the tight end.
1: He's going to play every position. He's going to play
2: 10 next week. James I mean, Slipper's now threatening George Gregan's cap record, isn't he? Yeah. He's been <laughs> and, and that am, I, am
0: I right thinking it's only his third start on the tight end since making yeah, his debut? Yeah, he's not had many. That sounds he's not about Because right. that that's a fascinating area of the game for me next week is if Australia were fully fit I think that tight head side is going to maybe cause Wales a lot of problems obviously Taniella Tupo Will Skelton yeah. as your tight head yeah you know that's a ridiculously strong uh, option I can't remember who I don't know who their sort of reserve tight head will be because Alatella's injured isn't he and, oh of course he is um, um, Nongor Nongo, Nongo. yeah. or who's the other well, she's one which isn't Poe- a real name by the way Is what's the other one it's, it's Poe- Um Ah, oh, I forget the guy's name now but I know the All Blacks caused him a lot of problems um, in the rugby championship I think Nicky Smith could probably do the same because it was a compact All Blacks prop who did it but okay, it's, it's just that's a fascinating part of me as a scrum you know Anger spell looks fantastic quite good yeah one of the most underrated players out there I think not enough people are talking about how good he's been this year carries just unbelievable unbelievable. such a weird almost like slightly strange carrying style like he looks slightly clumsy but he just barrels through people he's completely
2: upright and I think people often
0: go like oh yeah put a shot on him and
2: then (laughs) lose their shoulders
0: in the process So, yeah, that's that's going to be fascinating. I mean, I don't know what, what the fitness will be. I don't know if Skelton's starting today or not, to be honest. Yeah, there there seems to be all sorts of...
1: There's rumours of him being out of the tournament and as a whole. Same with Tupou. There's rumours of him being out for the pool stage. There's rumours that they'll be back ahead of this Fiji game tonight. Uh, it's very up and down, this Australian fitness. I think it's very Eddie Jones just hiding everything,
0: especially in the World Cup. Because, you know, this I think Fiji, I think Wales dealt with their scrum well. Yeah. But I felt... I always felt you could because I feel like a lot made of the, how Fiji have improved their scrum, but I think if you look at the basics of it, it's quite a slow, naggy sort of setup. If you look at their pre-engage, the eight starts on his on his sort of knee split stance. They did all right against France in one of the warm-up games, but I think France largely started with the same setup. Okay. Um, Talking to us about scrums, no uh, idea. You know, I, I know not a lot about it either. I've just been listening <laughs> to other people who do, and then I take the credit. <laughs> <laughs> but... So I always felt confident, but Australia, because of their, their props, because of the coaches they've had in the last couple of years, Ledesma changed the mindset, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Like, they've gone they've gone from being a team that, rightly or wrongly, you probably said had a soft underbelly, the Wallabies, to someone who wants to scrum. Neil Hatley's there now, he's similar, he's just, like, feeding off that. It's an area where I worry for Wales, and, and that's why I, I wonder whether anyone... The other night did well. Last night did enough. Obviously, Domachowski and Dylan Lewis had a tough time against Fiji. Yeah. Um, Dylan started last night, Domachowski off the bench, but Nicky Smith started. He's probably our best scrummage in loose heads. Yeah, agreed. You know, and just for the Ospreys, all season has just torn it up. Yeah,
1: um, has been. I mean, the Ospreys are Nicky Smith
0: and then a mall. Yeah, like, was, that is the entire team. It's the Welsh pack. Yeah, effectively, the Ospreys have been in the last year, which is. You know, it'd be interesting. I don't know. Like, I think Nicky Smith will come into the 23. I don't know if he'll start ahead of Gareth Thomas. But it's interesting. Someone... I was speaking to someone the other day, a sort of scrum coach. Mm. And they say that, like, Nicky Smith is a traditional loose head. He scrummages right foot dominant and he sort of goes in. Whereas Gareth Thomas is probably left foot dominant. He's almost more of a tight head, but he's he's packing down on the, the loose head side. So it's an interesting dynamic. Dewi Lake... I'd be, I mean, the line-out issues... Could hinder him but Mm. if you're thinking about someone who'd be powerful as a scrummager you know I speak to people at the Ospreys he's clearly got a mindset of he wants to go forward in in the scrum
2: I think you trust him to put those issues right as
1: well yeah
0: and and I suppose the other thing is is Elias came on and it didn't you know the issues weren't solved
1: no no and that's something I think there was a lot of uh, Jenkins calling the ball to himself and a lot of very easy line-out reads for Portugal yeah. as the game went on um, and then Adam Beard came on I think things were still not great but it picked up a bit and I started varying where they were throwing it a bit more I only watched the game once so I'm not, you know buzzed on it but, um, but it is something I reckon they will have more in mind for that Australia game um, and perhaps have variations and stuff ready to go um, I'd be less worried than perhaps the Portugal game suggests. I mean, again, we, we said this at the start, but how many times have we seen Wales struggle against a Tier 2 nation on a... You know, it used to be the Friday night game when we were growing up, but they move them to Saturdays, so always on a way kit, and then the following week they play Australia or they play South Africa or whatever, and they lose to a late Kirtley Beal try. Um, and Ben Donaldson kick this time. Yeah. Yeah, um, we've seen Wales put these right under Gatland very quickly before and just kind of discard a frustrating game that largely gets forgotten. And I think that was the difference was when we had those games under PIVAC, Wales were losing them. And actually yesterday they came back and they managed to not just win it, but get the bonus point. And that's two games now that I feel you don't want to make too direct a comparison but if the trajectory Wales were on under PIVAC, they probably could, would have lost one of those and could have lost the second. Lots and actually, I think yeah. they've, they've changed that and they've won both of them with bonus points. Some people would have called it an upset. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it, it, it never felt like Wales were losing yesterday, did it? I mean, first quarter, you thought, OK, Portugal could do something here. But once once Lake got over for that try for half-time, you thought, right, that's that's the game.
1: Though I've never been confident in a Wales' game, yeah, I've never yeah. enjoyed it. It's always maybe, horrible. I still don't know if we'll win that game that was yesterday. Maybe. maybe I'm still I was, waiting to find out if we win in 2013.
0: I think I was enjoying the Portuguese play too much. I was just looking around. Like, when, I think when they kick the second 50-20, I was just like looking at the journalist, like, "This is great, isn't it?" I'm yeah. it. <laughs> Mainly because they're mostly English journalists there, David. Yeah. Like, I was just staring
2: G- lovingly into
1: Thomas Appleton's eyes. Oh, know. and his hair and his hair. Oh, closest God. thing to Untermax
0: we've got. Yeah. We've got to cherish Thomas Appleton's hair
1: star of the World Cup
0: heard it here first Um, I mean yeah so Nicky Smith Derry Lake might have played their way I I could see Derry Lake being it could be an either or with Ryan Elias Yeah. because I think Elliot D is a different option probably safer line out ball less physicality he might you know you might swap either Elias or, or Lake terms of the back line I mean
1: Lake's also a great impact player as well yes he, he always makes a difference when he comes on so that might be a useful thing to be able to lean on
0: yeah and also I just think because he's co-captain I just think yeah. Gatlin's going to want to have both his leaders yeah. somewhere in that match day it's 23 the sort
1: of player that Gatlin loves to have involved in match
2: days as well like,
0: yeah and I think big match days so I, I, I compared them to sort of Welsh Rugby's Pen and Teller because <laughs> Jack Morgan literally says nothing like he's a very quiet bloke um He's, you know, he's from the. he's I think he's from Brenham. He sounds like if Shane Williams was a mute. He's, <laughs> he's got he's got Shane's accent, but he's just very quiet. And then you got Derry Lake, who's just oh so vocal. Yeah, and yeah. I don't. Know, I just feel like there's there's clearly a reason why he's named co-captains. You know, it would have been so yeah. easy just to name Jack Morgan captain. So I think the you know, I think Gatland thinks there's a nice balance there. So I think going into the biggest game of their you know the pool now. He will want to have both of them, yeah, in some shape or form. I, I, but then, you which know. we haven't seen since they became co-captains,
1: it's always been one or the other until yesterday, I suppose, where it was a last-minute selection. Yeah. So it'd be the first time we'd see a team named with both of them yeah. together since
0: that was appointed. And again, that's that's massive credit to Jack Morgan because, yeah, you know, we. I think someone someone us a text in the sort of the the journalist group. Literally two minutes kick kickoff going, keep an eye on Ref while I think he's dropping out. We're like, okay, right, not great. As teams walk out, we're like, yeah, okay, that's Jack Morgan. We didn't, we didn't hear anything as to why he um, was out of the game until post-match. But we found out after that Jack Morgan had done... All the boys who weren't playing last night, they did um, conditioning work Whoa, in, wow. in the morning yesterday. So Jack Morgan's done conditioning sessions and yeah. gym work, and then he's come out and... Jesus. Put in a man of the match performance.
2: We didn't realise until the second half. What a answer. monster, yeah. We were like looking down and going like, that seven looks a lot more like Jack Morgan than Tommy Raffel. And then he scores the try and we go, that is definitely... That is, yeah, that he is. has had some kind of plastic surgery to look like Jack Morgan. Trying to get himself selected. Yeah. Well, I think clearly. the stadium
0: announcer did announce the try as, as Tommy Raffel. Raffel. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And that's Portugal's try as Tommy Raffel as well. He <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> had a great game. He had a fantastic game. He didn't even have to lift a finger. But, um, you know, that's just just shows just what Jack Morgan can do in the back line I don't know if anyone furthered their case um Um, obviously Gareth Anscombe was back for the first time since his first game since April I think judgment day
2: yeah it was far from Anscombe's best performance but I think I'd still have him on the bench uh behind bigger this is the thing I
0: afterwards I I I thought he was decent yeah Mm. I thought a lot of the time he didn't play flat to the line like he could have but I also think he didn't fall into the trap of trying to overplay too much. Yeah, yes, I think that's I true. think when there was, if the pass wasn't on, he's quite happy just to basically run into a weak shoulder and, and take contact sure. and, and just recycle, which s- some of the other Wales backs weren't quite so happy to do. They, they yeah. basically wanted to find a, a miracle offload.
1: Yeah. I also trust him. You know, we know we've been there and done it before, which isn't necessarily the case for Costello, who I don't want to lean into too hard because he's a fantastic player. He's great on both his starts. But this game, the Georgia game last year, um, and then the Fiji last week, he's come off the bench. You know, there's a chance to put his stamp on the game and he's been completely anonymous and he's barely caught any ball. He's not done anything. He deserves, to be, that, he no deserves doubt, to be in the squad. He deserves to be in the squad because like, he was fantastic in three England. Three performances warmer. of him coming off the bench and being anonymous, uh, which I think is a bit of a concern going into a bigger game. I think he's been great whenever he started. But the... I would be more confident with Sam Costello starting the game than coming off the bench. You compare Um, it
2: to, like, Anscombe in South Africa last year, coming off the bench and scoring the winning kick, you know, being clutch and that. That
0: that is something the Wales need. Absolutely. You look back at the the last four years, probably longer to be honest, but mainly the last four years, and all the best performances under Pivak have all largely been typified by a... A fourth quarter implosion with about two yellow cards. Yes. Um, France, 2021. Yeah. France are down to 14 with a red card, but then Wales go down to 13 and lose it. South Africa first test, I think they went down to 12. Yeah. Australia last year, like literally they were, they were home and dried. And I was like, they'll, they'll lose this. (laughs) And they did, I think they had two yellow cards that day.
2: Yeah. Might've been three. Yeah. And,
0: you know Marshall you think back to you it. think back four years ago you had bigger coming off the bench yeah yeah just calmness personify just and it's one of the things where you well, you can't really do that now because you need him to start yeah That's <laughs> you can't you can't you can,
1: you do it the other way around yeah you yeah. can you
0: can't sort of bank on oh well now we'll bring bigger off for the last 20 because then we can sort of close the game out but but don't worry about the first 60 because we might be losing by then that's fine I do
1: think
2: in an ideal world we would be doing that axis of Anscombe starting bigger come off the bench and watch the game and you know analysed it and figure out what we need but I do think on the basis of the last couple of games we probably can't really afford to not start bigger at this stage considering like that the incident with George North we've touched on earlier the fact that Wales got away with that is kind of the best thing that could have happened to Wales in this tournament. That Bigger can now look at that and it, it put in perspective a little bit like how we need to play, you know, and be much safer in the way we play and playing the corners and so on. And I I really hope that he brings that context into Australia.
0: Yeah, no, 100 percent But this is why I this is why I don't think Gatlin will read too much into Anskin's performance last yeah, night. Yeah, agreed. I think you know, the fact that Wales didn't run in ten tries and he didn't put everyone through gaps against Portugal, that's not gonna it's not gonna bother him too much. I think maybe he lacked a bit of control at times and he he could have played flatter to the line and he, he should have just probably grabbed a hold of things a bit more and just basically just used pods of forwards off him just to just to grind Portugal down. But I think just more the fact that he looked relatively fit and relatively yeah. calm and didn't Overplay too much. That might be enough for Gatland to go. Well, okay, I trust you in a test match. Yeah. I'll put you on the bench next week. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. He, I don't think he had to necessarily like play himself into the test match, into the test squad yeah. by being, you know, a nine out of ten performance. And as
2: we said earlier, like the game plan they played yesterday is probably drastically different to how yeah. they're going to play against Australia. So you can't blame Gareth Anscombe for not playing a different game plan as well. You know, because he'll know from training. Gatlin, that is, we know from training exactly how well Anscombe can execute what he actually wants from Australia.
0: Some lovely conversations going on behind us as we uh, <laughs> we do the pod. Um, of course, oh god, the dog's back. That's oh, actually Ed's yeah, dog. Um, he's walking over here with an ice cream. Um, so yeah, I think we'll just sum up, finish the pod, just by just trying to sum up what you thought of that. Uh, of the match last night, from a Welsh perspective and a Portuguese perspective, I suppose in uh, in three words. Oh, um, so I can see the ice cream's melting over there.
1: <laughs> from a Welsh perspective, ten from ten points wise. That's additionally if you want to make it five words. Um, bare minimum, successful. Nice, and for Portuguese. Uh, I
0: don't speak much Portuguese,
1: but
0: I've got the world rugby translation app. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll get yeah. It'll be fine.
1: Nice, a lovely start. Um, oh, S- like, something to build. Yeah, that's better. That's better than mine. No, look, lineouts. <laughs> oh yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, glorious. That's, that's how you play. <laughs> like. Aggressive risk, you know, risk risk for rugby. Uh, Wales, it? Wales can take note. Ahead of
2: Australia, I
0: hope my three words will be "dog on pitch." We can hope. We can hope. We've seen a few today. um So yeah, as as we said, it's uh, ten points from ten to win some two for Wales uh, as they head back to Versailles now for a few days ahead of a massive game against uh, the Wallabies. In Leon, I mean, by the time this podcast goes out, we'll know if the, the Wallabies have just lost a Fiji <laughs> to make our life even more complicated. But, uh, of course, for all the latest news and updates from this World we'll Cup, you can catch it all on Wales Online.